This is a pastoral address of Covenant Baptist Church concerning the roles of women in the corporate gathering. This pastoral address was originally given on Sunday, June the 16th of 2019, but we unfortunately have lost the audio to that pastoral address. And so this is a reproduction of the address given on that date being recorded on Wednesday, October the 19th, 2022. We thought it wise to try to reproduce this talk, albeit in a very different context, just sitting here in the office recording it, because we felt the subject matter was important enough that people may want to access this and know what was communicated uh, several years ago at this point. I plan to give the address as it was written for June the 16th, 2019. So some of the things that I say would not make a lot of sense to people in our congregation hearing them now in 2022, because a number of these things have been implemented. But all that said, I'm just going to give the talk as written, and we'll leave the rest to you and hope that it's profitable. So by way of introduction, Covenant Baptist Church is complementarian, and we use that word even though it is a hijacked term and a freighted term in our day. But what we mean by complementarian is that we as human beings are made male and female in God's image. We are equal in essence, we're equal in dignity, we're equal in value. Yet there is a distinction between men and women. Men are not women, women are not men. Men and women are equal in Christ, and we have distinct callings, distinct roles to play in the church and in the home. What we're considering today is not complementarianism high level or even male and female gender roles high level, but the implementation of these truths in the life of our church. So I don't want to bury the lead. It is the unanimous position of the elders that it is biblical for women to read scripture and pray in the corporate gathering. So it is not biblical for women to be ordained to the office of pastor or elder. It is not biblical for women to be ordained to preaching or teaching positions in the church. It is not biblical for women to occupy the authoritative teaching role in the assembled church. But it is biblical, and the elders are unanimous, that women can and should read Scripture and pray in the corporate gathering. So a little bit of history and timeline on this. This has been my settled position since 2012. We, as elders, talked about this from day one, um, obviously day one being the year 2015. Uh, we had numerous hours of discussion and debate with Bibles open over the course of well over two years. This position that we are presenting today has been the unanimous, unanimous position excuse me, of the CBC elders for a year and a half at this point. We have aimed to be very patient, and we have aimed to consider the congregation in all of these matters. So our posture as pastors of CBC, we're talking about this today because we want to do things out in the open. We want to be clear, and we want to lead in the light. We want to love you, the congregation, and hear you. We want you to feel loved and heard. We will aim to be thoughtful in how all of this is rolled out. Now, to be clear, we are not voting on this. This is not something that we need congregational approval on. This is a decision of the elders and is a part of our pastoral role in this church. A guiding principle for us, the pastors, throughout our discussions is that we want to ground our position and our arguments in the text of Scripture. 
We don't want to stand on arguments that are grounded in tradition or prudence. Those things, tradition, prudence, when kept in their proper place are good, but they are not the scripture. We kept finding that the arguments that are typically offered against women reading scripture or praying in the corporate gathering were grounded in tradition or grounded in prudence rather than the Bible. And of course, in all of this, we're not impugning any of the motivations of our brothers or sisters who might disagree with us on this matter, but we need to make a call for our congregation, and so that's what we've done. A brief word on our culture. Someone might object and say, well, aren't you guys just making accommodations for the culture? And by that, they mean anything from the feminist movement to just general thoughts of egalitarianism. Our answer to that is no, we are not making accommodations for the culture. A couple of thoughts on that. One, our position is not one that the culture around us would embrace. I trust that's clear because we make distinctions that are offensive to the culture around us. Secondly, While culture does not mandate what the church teaches or believes, culture can actually be a help to the church because it can force us to assess our traditions and prudential arguments. So we ask questions of our traditions as to what they're grounded in or where they came from. We have to assess our prudential arguments in the same way. What are they grounded in? Where did they come from? So it's our position here that some of the cultural pressures that exist around the church in our day only serve to produce greater clarity as we wrestle with these issues from the Scripture. Some key passages in this conversation. We're going to consider these and survey these now. The first passage is 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 through 15. But of particular interest here is verse 12. Many are familiar with this text. 1 Timothy 2, 12 reads, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. That's from the pen of the Apostle Paul to Timothy. So the context here is the gathered or assembled church. That's clear from verse 8, where corporate prayer is clearly in view. Now, whatever Paul means in 1 Timothy 2.12, it is not in direct contradiction with 1 Corinthians 11, where Paul talks about how women should pray and prophesy in church. We're going to look at that text in just a minute. Now, in the New Testament, the word teach, where Paul says, I do not permit a woman to teach we would understand that to convey authoritative, doctrinal, hortatory instruction. So it's our understanding that Paul is talking about authoritative teaching positions in the assembled church. That's what he does not allow women to do. So Paul is about, in just a few verses, in the beginning of 1 Timothy chapter 3, he's about to go on and talk about elders and their qualifications. So again, women should not be ordained to the office of pastor or the office of elder. We understand those things to be synonymous here at CBC. Women should not be ordained to teaching positions in the church. And this text indicates that women should not occupy the authoritative teaching role in the assembled church. So this is why we do not see it fit for women to preach, which would be clear authoritative teaching and proclamation, nor do we see it fit for a woman to lead service here at CBC, because that role of service leader is a clear shepherding role. There are some who take 1 Timothy 2.12 as an overarching prohibition that women are to be silent minorities, essentially, in the church, or that anything that could ever be construed as authoritative in any way in a mixed gathering is out of bounds. This view, though, would seem to be in contradiction to other writings of Paul and other writings in the New Testament, including the role women played in the founding of the church. So if we were to take this position, 
the overarching prohibition position from 1 Timothy 2.12. What would that mean for Covenant Baptist Church if taken to its logical end? Well, it would mean that no women would be leading in song from the stage. It would mean that no women saying anything from the pulpit under any circumstances in the assembly would ever be appropriate. For example, in a series we did a couple of years ago called Dealing with Darkness, we had member testimonies regarding depression and anxiety and things of that nature. We did that during the corporate gathering prior to the sermon. We had women give testimonies in a couple of those instances. That would have not been appropriate. In members' meetings, which is still the assembled church, women would not speak. Women could not offer their opinions. We might let women vote, but probably not. After all, how is it appropriate for women to have a say in decisions of the church? Men would vote for their households. Now, if you think all of this is outlandish, this was the practice of many churches in our land for some time. Moving on to another significant passage in this whole conversation, 1 Corinthians 11. Verses 2 to 16 are pertinent, they're relevant for what we're going to consider, but of particular interest, we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 11, 5. 1 Corinthians 11, 5 reads this way, but every wife or every woman, because those words, the word gune is the word for woman, but it also can mean wife depending on context. So every wife or every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, referring to her husband, since it is the same as if her head were shaven. Now, the traditions mentioned in verse 2 of 1 Corinthians 11, where Paul writes, Now I commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions even as I delivered them to you. And the fact that in verse 17, Paul goes on to talk about the Lord's Supper, indicate that the context of 1 Corinthians 11 and the context of 1 Corinthians 11 to 14, for that matter, is corporate worship, the corporate gathering. So the biggest overarching thing here that we would want to convey in this address is that Paul does not tell women not to pray or not to prophesy in church, but rather he spills ink on how they are to go about doing those things, how they should prophesy, how they should pray. So to prophesy in this context is an utterance of the Holy Spirit or the sharing of God's revelation. In our day, given our understanding of a closed canon and all of those sorts of things, prophecy would be very similar to the reading of Scripture, the sharing of God's revelation, right? In this section on head coverings, the assumption from the Apostle Paul is that women are praying and prophesying in the church. Paul's words into that are not, look, the women need to stop praying and prophesying. No, he doesn't say that. He says, here's how this should be done in deference to the husbands in the church. So to make the argument that to pray or to read Scripture in the assembly in and of itself is a violation of 1 Timothy 2, 11 and 12, frankly does not square with this text, 1 Corinthians 11. Paul, of course, isn't schizophrenic. Whatever he's talking about in 1 Timothy 2, it does not mean that women can't pray or prophesy in the assembly. Why else would he have spilled ink on how they are to go about doing those things in 1 Corinthians 11? The argument that based on 1 Timothy 2.12, women cannot read scripture or pray in the service from our perspective has to be made on the grounds of prudence. The reasoning typically goes something like this. To do anything in the front of the assembly is inherently authoritative. In particular, the pulpit is a place of authority. The reading of scripture and corporate prayer are instructive for the congregation, and so in that sense, those things teach the congregation. Therefore, for these reasons, and to avoid potential confusion, it seems best for women not to read scripture or pray from the front or from the pulpit in the assembly. Now, the reasoning is plausible enough 
But the problem is that it's not what the texts say in the scripture. This view conflates teaching and exercising authority over a man, 1 Timothy 2.12, and praying and prophesying in the gathering, 1 Corinthians 11, in a way that Paul does not. So it's important. The reading of Scripture and the praying of prayers by women do not inherently undermine biblical male headship in the church. It seems that in the context of the church of Corinth, the gospel had so liberated women that the pendulum had perhaps swung too far the other way, and there was an undermining of husbands and their roles in the church. So Paul's like, look, it's right for you, ladies, to do something in keeping with the traditions of your culture, i.e., cover your head, to signify your submission to your husband as your head. That's all he's arguing for. Another text is 1 Corinthians 14. Again, the context here is the corporate gathering, corporate worship. The verse that is most pertinent to the conversation is verse 34 of 1 Corinthians 14 that reads, The women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. The important thing for us to understand is that the immediate context, larger context, corporate worship, gathered church, more immediate context is the evaluation of prophecy. So we already know that women may pray and prophesy in the church, 1 Corinthians 11, but they are to remain silent in this context when prophecy is being tested and evaluated. Effectively, what's going on here, Paul's communicating in 1 Corinthians 14, 26 and following, that you've just been given an utterance from God, and now we're going to test whether it's true or not. That's what the testing of prophecy would have meant in this context before the canon was closed. So it seems reasonable that this task would have fallen not just to any man in the congregation either, but to the overseers, to the pastors, to the elders of the church, because they were the ones charged with guarding sound doctrine and would have therefore been the ones most equipped to evaluate utterances and prophecy that was spoken in the midst of the gathering. So this is the most plausible way to harmonize not only 1 Corinthians 14.34 and 1 Corinthians 11.5, but also to harmonize 1 Corinthians 14.34 and some of the words that come before it, where it seems that many people are participating in corporate worship. So having considered those texts, we want to make this important remark. We want to build our practice on what is most clear in Scripture as we understand it. So that's ultimately where we land. We want to be Bible guys when it comes to these things. We're not just trying to proof text this. We're trying to cohesively understand how the Apostle Paul wrote about the roles of women in the context of the gathered church. As a parting shot here and a brief conclusion, some significant concerns, excuse me, for the pastors of Covenant Baptist Church in no particular order. There are four. Number one, when biblical admonitions and prescriptions are pushed beyond their clear boundaries, nothing good comes from it. Often, in fact, harm is done. And it's our concern that with the best of motivations, many have done just this have taken biblical admonitions and prescriptions and pushed them beyond their clear boundaries, and it has not produced good in the church. Concern number two. We are concerned that in being too restrictive in this area when it comes to women and their role in the corporate assembly, we are robbing the church of the gifts that our sisters should rightly exercise for the building up of the body. Concern number three. 
This is a big one for us. We are concerned that an overly restricted position here, again, women in the corporate gathering, in the interest of prudence, is short-sighted and does damage to biblical complementarianism in the long term. I'll say that again. We are concerned that an overly restricted position here, in the interest of prudence, is short-sighted and does damage to biblical complementarianism in the long term. In other words, if we want to ensure that our children and grandchildren will not be complementarian, then by all means, let's be overly restrictive. By all means, let's go further than the Bible goes, and we will ruin the Scripture's teaching for our offspring. All we need to do is maintain an overly restricted position on the roles of women in the interest of prudence, and our daughters and granddaughters will not think highly of complementarianism in general. Again, we're not impugning motivations of those who disagree with us, but these are concerns that we hold near and dear to our hearts. Lastly, number four, this is also important to us. We want to create a culture at Covenant Baptist Church where the focus is on what women are called to do, not on what they can't do. So often this seems to be the tone and tenor of all of the conversations around gender roles. It's prohibitive, it's restrictive. We don't really want that to be the tincture of this thing. We want it to be more on Hey, our sisters are called to do a lot in the church. They are called to do things that basically every man in our congregation is called to do because the vast majority of men in our congregation will never serve as elders. They won't preach. They won't lead service. And so we want to elevate and raise the water level when it comes to what our sisters are called to do in the church. So that's how we're going to aim to speak and lead as elders. So thus concludes this reproduction of the pastoral address on the roles of women in the corporate gathering originally given on June the 16th, 2019, reproduced on October the 19th, 2022. In spite of all of the awkwardness of doing it this way and all of the timing issues that are involved, we hope that this is profitable to you should you have given it a listen. Grace and peace to you.